God, that we walk by faith, not by sight. We stand on your word and on your promises, knowing that you are working all things together for our good. Love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.
the great physician in the physical in the spiritual and in the emotional we thank you Lord Jesus that you're the healer of broken lives for we testify to that fact and that your power is still working in the present hour to mend hearts to console and comfort lives to make whole that which has been hurt and damaged by this fallen, unkind world. We thank you, Jesus, that we can lean on you and put our trust in you. And we can draw near to you and find a wonderful counselor, find a compassionate Savior, and find a healer of broken, wounded hearts. 
If you believe that, we just say amen and give Jesus one more hand clap of praise. And thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for being so good. Thank you, Jesus, for being so good. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. So good to see you, all you brave people. Wow. Brave in that cold. <laughs> I'm getting a little wimpy being down here so long. I'm getting cold myself. Amen. Uh, I just have to warm it up. We'll have to shout a little louder. Get some, get some exercise going here. Well, good morning. So good to see you. Children uh, dismissed to Children's Church. And there's Sister Amy. She's uh, all dismissed. Praise the Lord. Now, for everyone else, if you would, go to Exodus 13. Exodus 13. We're going to spend our time this morning studying lessons from the Red Sea. Lessons from the Red Sea. Exodus 13. Let's begin. We'll read two verses, and then we'll jump over to the 14th chapter. But start with verse 17. The Bible says, When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter, quicker. For God said if they faced war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. He knew what they could handle. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. And the Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. Now, Pharaoh changes his mind. The devil will always change his mind. And he pursues them, and the people begin to panic. So if you go to the 14th chapter with verse 13, Moses is going to answer the people. Moses says to the people, do not be afraid. Fear not. Stand still or stand firm, and you will see the deliverance or the salvation that the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on, march forward. Raise your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. We're going to talk about lessons from the Red Sea. Our text, of course, that familiar story of God parting the waters and bringing his people through that impossible, that tight place. And like Israel on the way, Being led of God, we also must remember that he is the God of the tight places. He is the God when you feel hemmed in and surrounded. The God on the mountaintop is still that God when we're in the valley. The God in the good times is still God in the not so good times. Can you say amen? He still makes a way and he still brings his people through. Now, there are very important truths throughout this story. Just we'll give you a few to start out with. There's some truths that we can put in our faith file. It's good to have a a faith file that you can bring out for special occasions. And we know God is with us and we know God is for us. Yet, even though we know that, yet we have to remember that none of us escapes the trying circumstances of life. Jesus himself said, in this world, you shall have. Shall have what? Church picnic? No, that's coming in two weeks. Amen. No, you, sh- <laughs> you shall have trouble. I dare you to call Jesus pessimistic. He's just being realistic. In this world, you sh- but be of good cheer. Jesus said, don't let it defeat you because I've overcome the world and therefore so will you because you're with me. 
Isn't it good to know we're with him? Amen. But none of us, we have to realize that somewhere along the way, even though we're doing our best, even though I'm not talking about the backslider, I'm not talking about the sinner, I'm talking about the godly, the righteous. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, you see. So somewhere along the way, a red sea of sorts is going to be stretched out before us in Pharaoh's army in hot pursuit. We're going to be in a tight place, a constraining place, a pressure place. Let's remember that it's in times of trial that we can become most vulnerable. The enemy has a greater opportunity to distract us and discourage us, to um, divert us from the focus and the obedience of faith. There's a temptation at times like this to turn back, to look to other things for our source of help and encouragement and strength, to lose our Christian composure or our Christian bearing. And we must also remember at these times, so it's very easy to forget that God wants to use all, someone say all, all circumstances for our good and his glory. Now this one at times can be very hard to grasp. But Romans 8 and 28 is still in the book. Can you say amen? Amen. Let's note that the children of Israel in our story, they found themselves in a very desperate place after the greatest deliverance in their history. You know, sometimes it's after a great victory. Sometimes it's after you make a fresh consecration and commitment to the Lord. Sometimes it's after there's a wonderful promotion from the hand of God that it seems like hell throws the kitchen sink at you. Sometimes you make the biggest step of faith and obedience, amen, and you're expecting just a hallelujah for the next decade, and man, before you can even get the holler out of your mouth, bam! Amen? You get a report... Something happened, something, oh, my Lord, have mercy. Pharaoh had let them go. They had their children with them. They had their possessions, right? They must have been shouting the victory when they left that slavery all those hundreds and hundreds of years. It was a glorious deliverance from the hand of God. And now they're led by a pillar of cloud by day, fire by night. Man, they got Moses as their pastor. That's pretty good, amen? Amen. Yeah, Moses, he's all right. He's patient, most patient man in the world. That's why he's such a good pastor. Amen. But then trouble came. Trouble's always going to come on this side of eternity. You see, the Bible says that God had led them in a strange way. You ever notice God don't always lead you the way you think is best? Aren't you glad we're not the counselor? He is. God had led them in a strange way. God led them to the Red Sea. Unable to pass over it. And if that wasn't enough, Pharaoh changes his mind. Enraged and in hot pursuit, he's determined to enslave them once again. They've got the Red Sea in front of them. They're hemmed in by mountains and the desert on the side of them. And Pharaoh and his legions are coming up the rear. Now that's a tight place. Some would call that the impossible place. How quickly it changed from hallelujah God to how come God? This is where people often give up and go back. Where they um, abandon ship. But listen friend, don't give up the blessing just because it comes with a battle. Don't give up the blessing just because oftentimes it comes through a battle. 
Let's note that whenever the faithful believer faces such a trying of their faith, you and I can expect at least three things from the heart of God. Three things from the Lord. Looking at our outline, number one, we want to discuss this morning the discipline of the tight or impossible place. The working of God in the trying times of our faith. But secondly, we want to notice the directive of the impossible or in the tight place. God has a word for his people. We serve a God that speaks. We serve a God that speaks to our heart, that speaks through his word. You remember that young kid, the teacher said, draw a picture. You know, elementary, always drawing a picture. She walked around seeing their pictures and she looked at Johnny. Johnny, what's that? He says, I'm drawing a picture of God. She says, you can't draw a picture of God. No one's ever seen God. He says, they will when I get through. Amen. That, that little Johnny was going places. Amen. But he drew that picture and, and it was this picture. These huge eyes, big, big ears. Didn't have a mouth. She said, Johnny, what in the world? He says, well, there's God. He sees everything. He hears everything, but he doesn't speak. But I want someone to know that God does speak. God speaks to us through his word. God speaks through his Holy Spirit to our hearts. God speaks through the prophetic gifts within his body. God is a God that speaks to us. And when you are going through a tight place, a pressure-filled place, a place where it seems like you're hemmed in and all around you is a negative. If you'll give an ear to hear, Jesus will have a word of encouragement for your heart, a word of warning, a word of instruction. But beyond that, a word of encouragement, fear not. I am with you. Hallelujah. The discipline, the directive, and then finally the deliverance from the impossible place because God's going to bring you through. If you belong to him, he said, the work I began in you, I will complete that work. And that means one glad morning each one of us gets to see Jesus face to face. One day we're going to see him. One day that deliverance is the ultimate deliverance. And that's a good thing for the child of God. Can you say amen? Let's begin the discipline or the development of the tight trying place. Remember, this is training, not punishment. We're talking to God's people that God's leading. Now, some people get into a mess because the way of the transgressor is hard. You've got to be able to distinguish the two. But I'm going to assume this morning that everyone's doing all right with the Lord. Now, if you're listening to this on the web and you're not doing right with God, repent, get right, and get back on track. Because you've got to discern the problem before you can really respond to it properly. But let's assume we're like the Israelites. We're being led of God. We're not a Jonah. We're not running away from God's will. We're not doing something because we're reaping bad decisions. We're following the leading of God. And we run it into a hard time. Now we're on the same sheet. Make sure you recognize this as training, not punishment. Don't waste this time. Grow in this time. When you and I choose to follow the Lord, when we choose to serve Jesus, we choose a walk that is a walk of faith. Sometimes it is a mountaintop. Praise God for those times. When the promotion comes, when the answer of prayer comes, when you endure a season, man, it seems like there's peace. And I mean, even the mechanic said, nothing wrong with that car at all. Man, brakes got another 500,000 miles. I mean, sometimes everything's good. Other times it's in the valley. Still walking by faith. It's still walking by faith. Doctor says that don't look good. Still walking by faith. Boss says we've got to let people go. Still walking by faith. You see, this doesn't change that. 
But the discipline of the impossible place trains you and I to trust God, to be led of God, to endure the process of God, teaches us how to stand obediently with God, even when we can't see the victory ahead, even when we don't understand the path that God has called us to take. God led them to that place. Underline that in your thinking. God led them to that place. It reminds me of the Bible says, like Jesus, that he was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted and tried. After he had obeyed the Father and was baptized. After the Father publicly affirmed him, Thou art my beloved Son. After being obedient, Jesus was led of the Spirit into a place where he was tested and tried. And that's often how God works in the lives of his people. He tests us. He develops us in these hard places. And not to understand that can cause us to waste some of the greatest opportunities you and I have to grow in the things of God. You know, sometimes overcoming that rascal on the job that rubs you the wrong way, sometimes that can do more for you than three revival meetings. I'm saying sometimes we miss what God is trying to do because we don't understand the discipline of the impossible or the trying place. It develops trust. It tests our obedience. It shows us that we cannot live this life in our own strength. We've got to lean and trust in the Lord. Such places remind us that victory, that deliverance comes not by human might or natural power, but by God's Spirit. Paul wrote, it's no longer I that liveth, but Christ lives in me. This life is lived by the strength and yielding to the Spirit of God. The discipline of the tight place. Now don't let it confuse you. Don't let it lie to you. God still loves you when you're going through this. When you're being led of God, God's still with you when you're going through this. In fact, you know, Brother Shambach used to preach a series of messages from this group of verses in Exodus, and he would entitle it, When You Wonder Why. When You Wonder Why. We've all been there, haven't we? When You Wonder Why. Being led of God and you're still wondering why. Amen? Doing the will of God the best you can and the path that life takes you, you just, I wonder why. Mm, The discipline of the tight place. Going through these things properly develops us, matures us, refines us, deepens us, purifies our faith. We've mentioned this before and we teach this, but I won't go long into it, but the ways of God are often uncomfortable, unusual, and unpopular. And God uses them to refine us, to increase us, and to test us. They're uncomfortable. Sometimes God says, give your last meal, uncomfortable. Sometimes God says, march around it seven times. I don't know what kind of order that is. That's unusual, amen? (laughs) Unpopular. Everybody else is bowing. God says, you stand, even if it means a fiery furnace. See, the ways of God, And God will allow you and I to get into situations where we have to depend on Him. He knows how to bring, no matter how strong we are in God, He knows how to take us to a place where even our faith, we got to trust a little more. We grow. He stretches us. He did it to the Apostle Paul one time. 2 Corinthians 1, Paul says, man, God brought me to a place I was fearing even death. But God did it. So that I might learn not to trust in myself, but to trust in him who raises the dead. And God can take any of us, even though many of us have walked with God many, many years. And he still knows how to bring us to a place that stretches our faith. 
and brings us out stronger than we've ever been. God will allow us to get into situations where we have to depend on Him, where we have to follow His leading and lean on His strength and do what He tells us to do. Whether that's waiting on him, and that's not always easy. Whether it's trusting in him. Whether it's, it's yielding. Whether it's acting. And in the process of the discipline of the trying place, we grow, God works and makes a way, and he is ultimately glorified in the end. Can you say amen? Let me give you a quick verse so we can study this one. James 1, 2 through 4. Here's your teaching verse for this point. As a young Christian, I remember I had to learn this one. And, oh, God knows how to bring this one make it real to you. Amen? Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. It means look at it as an opportunity to grow in your faith. Look at it as a chance to develop stronger and to prove yourself as a genuine child of God. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. James says, now consider it joy. Look at it from the perspective, not that we're hilarious, but we recognize that even the trials of life can improve me and purify me and mature me if I face them the right way. So that's why he says, so knowing this, understand this, knowing that the testing of your faith It doesn't just have to be a necessary evil. It doesn't just have to be a pain in the neck. It can be something that if you respond to it properly and recognize it, can refine you and improve you and actually make you more like Jesus than when the trial began. But you've got to let perseverance have its work. You've got to go through that trial, go through that whole trial with the right attitude. But if you do, you can be mature, You can be complete, not lacking anything. You can recognize that the trial hell tries to throw against you to defeat you. God will use it to develop you and mature you and ultimately promote you. So it starts out by recognizing the discipline of the impossible or the trying place. God led them there. They didn't get there out of rebellion. They didn't get there because somehow Moses didn't know how to navigate the wilderness. They got there because God was leading them there to show them some things, to try and test them in certain areas, but in the end, to bring them to a place of being stronger in their faith, pure in their obedience, and closer to the Lord their God. Can somebody say amen? The discipline of the trying place. But now, I want you to see the directives of the impossible in the trying places of God. This is verses 13 through 15, chapter 14. The people begin to cry out in fear, and God gives them some specific directions. Don't fear. Be still. Go forward. Let's look at this. Verse 13, chapter 14. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm, stand still, and you will see. You will see. You will see the salvation and the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. Number one, don't be afraid. This is a great reoccurring theme throughout the Word of God. Genesis to Revelation. Fear not. To men and women of faith from all generations, God, be fear not. Don't be afraid, I'm with you. He'll take us through things that can cause us to fear if we don't walk by faith. 
He'll bring us through trials and there'll be battles as the enemy tries to keep us from going forward in God. And there's things we have to deal with that can cause fear to come into the heart of the man or woman that's not sold out to God, but the word from heaven, fear not. Don't be afraid. One of the first lessons we learn as we walk this walk of faith is that fear is the opposite of faith. Like someone said, fear is faith in reverse. You see, in the tight places, those trying places, the enemy tries to harass us and afflict us with intimidation and fear. And it's one of his favorite tactics. He tries to, um, how can we say it, paralyze or immobilize our faith. So that we'll freeze and we'll no longer trust, we'll no longer advance. Sometimes we run and we go backwards. This group wanted to return to Egypt. Can you imagine that? After all those years of slavery, when things really got difficult, even after they had seen God bring them out and all the plagues and all those wonderful things, the Passover, they had witnessed that they'd been part of that, yet trouble came and when fear seized them, first thing, I'm going back to the old way. We start romanticizing the old. I'm going to run back. We do anything to get away from the present place where we've got to stand and trust God. It's easy to run. Tell your neighbor it's easy to run. Yeah, yeah, it's easy to run. Oh, someone says, ouch, that's all right. People want to run. God says, stand. People want to complain and grumble. And God says, hold your peace and just watch me fight this battle. Oh, God's message for every one of us who feels hemmed in, maybe you're facing an unavoidable place, a tight place you can't get out of, fear not! Things might look bad and seem uncertain, but the first step to positioning yourself for victory and deliverance is fear not. These are the words that you'll see throughout the word of God, throughout the Holy Scripture, God's word to his people then, God's word to his people now, fear not, I am with you, fear not, I'm going ahead of you, fear not, I'm going to bring you through. We face trials, many kinds. We go through many kinds of resistance and hindrances, this walk of faith. There are things that try to get us to give up and turn back. There are things that try to get us to camp out and stop advancing in God and possessing God's best. Many, many good scriptures we could look up. Let me grab you one from Isaiah. Very familiar verse, Isaiah 43. Most of us know it. He says, fear not, he tells God, fear not, because I have redeemed thee. I have called you by name. You are mine. Oh, God says, fear not, because I redeemed you. I shed the blood of my son for you. I have chosen you. I hold you as my very own. You are the apple of my eye. You're my son. You're my daughter. I love you with an everlasting love. Fear not, because I, the Lord, I've redeemed you, and you are mine. He goes on, he says, now, when you go through the waters, he said when? You're going to go through some floods in this walk of faith. Can you say amen? But when you go through them, they won't overtake you. And when you go, when? When you go through the fire, there's going to be fiery trials of faith that all of us go through. It doesn't matter how holy you are. It doesn't matter how much you speak in tongues. If you are a card-carrying member of the human race, you're going to have a trial or two in this side of eternity. It's going to get hot. The fire is going to try to 
defeat you. But the Lord says, fear not, because I am with you, and I'll bring you through the fire. I'll carry you through the flood. You have a God who is on your side, a God that says, I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. You might be in a hard place right now, but you're not there alone. Jesus is with you. Jesus is surrounding you. And Jesus has promised he will bring you through. Somebody say amen. Oh, hallelujah. That's the word of the Lord, the directive. Fear not, times will try you, but they will not defeat you, for I am with you, saith the Lord. Make up your mind in that impossible place to trust the Lord, to continue to call on the Lord, to commit the battle to the Lord, and don't turn back. Don't give up and refuse to wear down. Fear not the challenge before you or the feelings and the emotion within you. Just know that I, the Lord, am with you. And walk on. Walk on in faith. Walk on in obedience. Walk on with the confidence that the Lord, your God, is mighty and he's with you. Can you say amen? Amen. Talking about the directive in the tight place, God has a word for his people. You see, one of the first things that fear does, it paralyzes our ears. We don't hear no more. Isn't that right? When people get afraid, they do some of the dumbest things. Isn't that right? We forget all the good things God has done. We get spiritual amnesia. We forget the great things God has done. We give in. We just want to run. We say things we shouldn't say. God says, fear not. Be still. Fear not. You belong to me, God says. And I will not abandon you alone. Some people might walk out on you. Jesus will never walk out on you. Others might fail to be there for whatever reason. Jesus will never fail to be there. Like a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He brought you out that he might bring you in. Oh, yeah. God's got plans for you. He's got plans a thousand years for you. I mean, a hundred thousand years from today. God's got plans for you. So stick with the Lord. Fear not, stand still. Stand still. Lord, stand firm. Stay in the spirit. Stay in the spirit. Give the burden to God. Begin to watch the Lord fight for you. Quiet your spirit before the Lord so you can hear his voice. Cease from striving so you can receive some direction from God. Stop the fretting and the restless anxiety the complaining or the struggling. Be still that God might direct you and God might speak to you and God might show you his glory in the midst of your trial. Oh, what a God. You know, the Bible tells us that there is a rest in faith. That faith knows how to find rest in the Lord. Now in your devotional times, fourth chapter of Hebrews, that first half, speaks how the child of God, there is a rest in Jesus. To the one that knows how to really commit and trust and put their faith in Christ, there's a rest in trusting. There is a rest in yielding. There is a peace and acceptance in yielding and giving our situation to God and trusting the Lord to work His good work and to give us what we need to get through it And we commit the care and the burden to God. The Bible talks about the rest of salvation. 
when we stop striving to earn it ourselves and we rest completely in Christ for salvation, the rest that comes to the heart. But there's also the rest in sanctification. When we're no longer striving, we do our part, but we trust God to do His part. And when we come to the impossible places of life, they're intended to bring us to a place where we don't have it in ourselves to make it and we have to yield. They're intended to stretch us. They're intended to take us deeper than we've been before. God will bring us to a place that He knows as of yet we don't have what it takes. But when we get through, we'll be stronger than we've ever been before. But in that place we yield and trust there is a rest. There is a divine rest to the child of God that knows how to come to Christ and to trust Christ. By surrendering and by believing, we receive the rest of God in our hearts. That we can go through it without it consuming us. We can walk through it and not lose our song of praise. We can go through it instead of being crushed by it. We can have a peace that passes understanding in the midst of it. This rest comes from surrender. Jesus said, come unto me all, you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The rest comes, come under my yoke. Come and trust me. Come under my, lean on my everlasting arms. When we come and we trust Christ. I'm no longer trusting in myself to get to heaven. I'm trusting completely in Jesus and what he did on that cross to get to heaven. Amen? And once I stop striving and trying to earn it myself, all oh, that burden is lifted. All oh, the condemnation is gone. All oh, the, it's gone. I put my trust in Christ. There's a rest and it's blessed assurance. But that same principle is in the walk of faith. I'm doing my part, but I'm trusting him for the grace to do it. I'm trusting him to do what I can't do. And I do that by believing. Again, Hebrews 4. There was a group that didn't believe. They fell short of the promise. But when you believe and trust, Lord, you're in control of this situation. You'll give me the wisdom when I need it. You'll give me the strength when I need it. Until then, I'm trusting in you. I'm standing still. And I'm going to hold my peace. And I'm going to see the Lord fight this battle for me. You know, one of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 46. It, It begins with that confident building verse. God is my refuge. And God is my strength. A very present help. In time of trouble. Troubles come, but he's a present help. I don't need a busy signal when trouble comes. Amen. I need a present help. I I don't need him. He's on sabbatical. Forget the sabbatical, Jesus. I need help. He's a very present help. Therefore, we won't fear, though the earth give way, mountains fall into the heart of the sea. And that psalm is a beautiful psalm. It goes on to talk about God being with his people. God is with us. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. God is in the midst of her. God is with his people. Though there's war all around, God is giving his people peace and rest. And then as that psalm winds down, there's this one powerful verse, second to the last verse. Most are familiar with it. Verse 10 simply says, Be still and know. That I am God. Be still and know that I am God. 
And I will be exalted in the nations and I will be exalted in the earth and I will be exalted in your situation as you be still and see the glory of God as you trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on human understanding but in all your ways acknowledge Him and trust Him and stand firmly upon His good promise and God will lead you and guide you and God will fight for you. The battle is the Lord's battle. Be still! Moses said, be still, stand still. The psalmist says, be still. One verse in the Hebrew, be still, means hands off. Stop meddling and fretting and trying to work it all out in your own strength and trust God. He's still a miracle-working God. I love that line, yeah. Relax, hands off, hands off. One Hebrew says, enough, stop. Tossing and turning and start trusting and committing and believing and watching the salvation of the Lord in your life. Oh, Lord, I love that. Hallelujah. The directive. God has a word in the tight place. See, we've got to overcome that fear. Some people, as soon as the negative comes, they get so worked up and anxiety gets the best, they don't hear anymore. So it's hard for God to direct them in that place. It's hard for them to receive the in-season word to know what to do in that place. Fear not. Be still. Go forward. Verse 15, look at that. Then the Lord said, Moses, why are you crying out? Tell the Israelites to move on. There's an interesting word. Go forward. Go forward. Doesn't God see what's in front of us? It's a Red Sea. Go forward. You ever notice God's advice a little different at times? Ever notice that? Or can't God see what's in front of us? I can't see what's in front of us. What do you mean go forward? God says keep walking by faith. Keep obeying me. Keep staying faithful to me. In the midst of it, through the tears, praise me. Through the uncertainty, trust me. Through whatever you're going through, whatever you heard, you just keep going on loving Jesus, serving Jesus, being faithful. And move forward. You've got to go forward. Gotta go. We're not running backwards. We're not reverting to the old us. We're not reverting back to a place outside the will of God. We will continue in the will of God, loving God. Faith gets stretched when God says, go forward. And when we'd rather just curl up and pull the covers over our head, faith gets stretched when God says, obey me and trust me and do this in that specific place. We'd rather just pour that gallon of milk and finish off those chocolate chip cookies and, and go into our denial. God says, no, 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 no time for that. It's time to go forward. But Lord, don't you see what's in front of us? Yeah, I see it. I brought you here, didn't I? Go forward. You're going to see the hand of God do some wonderful things in your life. Keep, keep living right. Keep trusting God. Keep obeying the Lord. Don't stop serving Him. Don't stop coming to God's house. Don't stop being faithful. Don't stop praising Him. Don't stop confessing that good confession of faith. Go forward. For your obedience releases my power and releases my blessing. You see, fear paralyzes us. Well, there's no blessing there. There's got to be an action of faith in order for the blessing of faith to be released. It's as if we act obediently, as we act obediently, the power that we need to carry on, to continue on, is released in and through our lives. It's acting out our faith. It's acting out our faith. Interesting, God, fear not. Get control of yourself. 
Take your thoughts captive. Here not. Stand still. Stop the restlessness. Stop the complaining. Listen. Because if you can't hear me, I can't direct you. If you won't hear my word, the only word you will hear will be the word of your own fears. And they're terrible counselors. Can you say amen? But if you'll still yourself and quiet yourself, there is the voice of the Spirit that will stir you and strengthen you and begin to give hope to you, even in the midst of a seemingly hopeless situation. And then once you've studied and you've received God's word, you can begin to act out your faith and walk forward like a man or a woman that has heard from heaven. Oh, my goodness. You see, it's in the proportion to our obedience that God's power is released in our lives and in our situation. So it's imperative that we hear His instruction. We carry out with obedience. Sometimes God's directions will challenge our faith. Sometimes they challenge your understanding. That doesn't make sense. Certainly they'll challenge our will. I don't want to do that, Lord. I don't want to call them up and apologize. I, 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 I don't want to take on that task. It's going to come with some battles, and I don't feel like it. I want to go someplace under the coconut tree where life is easy. Uh, this is a fight of faith, ladies and gentlemen. Like I said, church picnic next week, two weeks, two weeks, whatever, it's coming. It's going to be good, but it's not yet. Amen. Think about it. God brings us to a place, and you can't have the action of faith if you haven't heard the word of faith. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by. You've got to hear the word of God in your situation. And if you're always fearful or angry and frustrated, you're not hearing what God is saying for that word. And there's different words for different situations. There's some situations where, guess what? The next stop is heaven. But God has a word of peace, and I'm with you, and my grace is sufficient for you. But then there's times that we're to stand firm upon my promise. You shall live and not die. And God still raises the dead and performs miracles. But as the individual believer walking all different paths, though we're all walking the path of faith, everyone's life is different. If we can't hear God, if we allow fear and anxiety and all those things so clutter up our hearing, we'll never get that in-season word that will refresh the weary and will direct us and how to fight this fight of faith. There's different strategies for different battles. How many know that? You know, everything is the same. One time David had, had a battle, and they licked the, the, the devil. Next time um, they, they said, well, Lord, should we do the same thing? No, this time they're different strategy, different strategy. Amen? This is not always the same. Stand firm. Fear not. But then notice, go forward. Nothing's going to happen till you go forward. You see, sometimes... We're waiting on God. Sometimes God's waiting on us. Now think about it. Let's, let's, let's look at a few things in Scripture. You ready? Most of these are familiar. Jesus says to one man, stretch out your hand. Imagine that guy got a withered hand. That, he's saying, Lord, I came to you to heal this hand. I can't stretch it out. And I can hear the Lord say, don't tell me you can't do something if I told you you can do it. I can't take them anymore. God says, if I say you can take them, you can take them. If I say you can bear it, you can bear it. If I say you can love them, you can love them. Come on, say amen. Don't tell Jesus you can't do what he's told you to do. 
But Lord, don't you see? I see everything. I brought you here, didn't I? He says, stretch it out. You can stretch it out. He says, give him a hug. You can give him a hug. How about the one man? Dip seven times. I didn't come for a bath. I come to get healed. The Lord said, yeah, but sometimes you got to get humbled before you get healed. And obeying the Lord, even when it don't make sense, sometimes that humbles us. And God says, if I can humble you, then maybe I can heal you. Come on, say amen. Remember that story. I'm giving you Sunday school stuff here. I know. How about strike the rock? Remember that one? We've got a million people. We're dying of thirst in the desert. Strike the rock. Lord, we don't need sparks. We need water. Remember that? He said to Moses, strike the rock. We don't need to start a fire, Lord. We we got 30 million people here. Just do what I tell you to do. And if I say strike it, strike it. He struck it. Man, water come out. Millions are drinking. Now some years later, I'm just trying to show you, God, you got to hear God. You got to walk with God. You got to walk with God. You got to know God's voice. You got to spend time with God. Some years later, God says, speak to that rock. Cost him the promised land. Moses disobeyed. Pastor Moses, then people got so under his skin. That's another sermon for another day. But anyhow, instead of speaking to that rock, bam, he hit it. God says, I told you to speak to it. So you got to do things God's way. You got to hear God to know God's way. Wow. You remember that wedding feast of Cana? Those servants are told, fill these large barrels with water. And go ahead and pour it out as wine. I mean, wow. They obeyed, didn't they? Didn't make sense, did it? But Jesus said to do it. And when they obeyed, water became the finest wine. See, the blessing's not coming. Do you obey God? That thing you're waiting on ain't going to happen until you begin to put in motion and do what God's told you to do. Even if you're not crazy about doing what he's... He's told me to do a lot of things I wasn't crazy about. Isn't that right? <laughs> Peter was told one time, lay down your net, throw your net out on the other side. Peter was a professional fisherman. He fished all night, caught nothing. I'm tired, I'm weary. And Jesus says, go ahead and cast it one more time over here, and it's in the morning, and didn't make any sense in the logical. Peter's tired and weary. You ever been tired and weary? And the Lord says, do some more. Saying, Lord, I'm tired of doing I've done enough. I need some rest. Peter said, nevertheless, Lord, at your word, we've worked all night. We've tried this. We've tried. We've done everything we know how to do it. That's the problem. But now we're going to do it your way. Nevertheless, at your word, he cast that net. You know the story. Biggest catch he ever got. Amen. Got to do it God's way. Even when it doesn't make sense to the natural. Even when we're tired and weary and it feels like I'm tired. I don't want to do it again. I've witnessed to him 500 million times. One more time. I've invited him 20 times. One more time. Wow. John 11. A bunch of onlookers there. We're told to roll away a stone. Roll away the stone from Lazarus' grave in anticipation of a resurrection. Wow. God says, listen, I can do more resurrecting if you'll do some more stone rolling away. If you'll do your part, I'm going to do my part. Isn't that right? 
I mean, think about it. Anyone that can raise a man from the dead after three, four days of stinking, amen, he can move a stone. How many believe Jesus could have moved that stone? But see, typically, he's not going to do what you and I can do. He's waiting for us to do our part. But once we do our part, then look out. He's still resurrecting marriages. He's still restoring broken lives. He's still mending brokenness of every form. He's still the resurrection and the life. But when we study the Bible, faith works as we partner with God. Faith's power is released as we obey the command of God. And so if he's saying dip, then start dipping. Stretch, then start stretching if he's saying cast it one more time then don't matter cast it one more time because your obedience releases the working and the power of god in your life there's some here today your family your marriage a testimony of the goodness of god and it didn't happen overnight but you obeyed god says start going back to god's house you went wasn't always easy. Wasn't always an easy thing. Sometimes wonder what in the world. But little by little, as you did your part, you watch God begin to heal this. And God began to work in that. And God began to... God didn't just come and angel didn't wave a wand. But as you did your part, God did his. As you obeyed the command, go forward. Go forward and begin to do the things you know you ought to do. And God will do the things that only he can do. Can you say amen? I got one more story about that thought. Back in the book of Joshua, some 40 years later, from the Red Sea story, Joshua's in command. And they finally get to the place where God's going to let them get in that promised land. Because of their unbelief, they had to wander. Unbelief makes you wander. Unbelief keeps you going in circles instead of making real progress. But Joshua 3 and 15, finally they get there. And it's time to enter into the promised land. And the Jordan River is at flood stage. Flood stage. Now again, had we been running things, we might say, Hey Lord, maybe this is not the best time to cross the Jordan. Amen? You ever notice that his timing is different than our timing? Right? We want to go, and he says, stay. We want to, you know, God is just God. And, and, but it's at flood stage. And this is where we get that little phrase, since you've never been this way before. God, I'm going to show you how to go into places you've never been before. It's not waiting for everything to line up, because sometimes everything don't line up the way you see it. But as you quiet yourself, and get the orders from headquarters and hear God's word and you can obey God's word you release the power of God's word in your situation God says it's flood stage and I'm not going to do anything about it till you obey what I tell you to do what are we going to do Lord? well first you get those priests with that ark if you're going into a new place make sure the presence of God goes before you make sure you go with the presence of God before you amen that ark represents the presence of God and, and now you all get behind them, and those priests are going to walk. Now, they're going to walk like there's paving out there. But that, that river is overflowing, and they're going to drown if nothing happens. Now, God doesn't say, no, we, I'm praying, and I'm going to do something. You're going to watch it, shout, and walk through. God says, you're going to walk. 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 And the Bible says, 
the moment their feet touch the water. Not a moment before that. Not a moment. I know most of us. Well, I'm going to plan and I got to get it just right. And you've been doing that 30 years. Sooner or later, you got to hear from God and step out and start walking forward. But as they walked, God began to take notice. I got my children to listen to me. I got them to obey my voice. And the Bible says, as soon as their feet, the water stood up in a heap and the river began to, and dry ground and the nation went into their promised land. Oh, yeah. In proportion to our obedience, God's power is released in our lives and in our situations. All right, we close it up. The discipline of the impossible place. The directives of the impossible trying place. And lastly, the deliverance. Don't ever forget, your God is a way maker. And nothing is too hard for him. And if he brought you to that place, he'll bring you through to the next place. He won't abandon you along the way. Just make sure you're walking with God. Amen? Make sure you're being led of God. Then everything's going to be all right. In the tight places, remember these eternal truths. All from chapter 14 now. Number one, God sees before. God sees before. Verses 3 and 4, God sees before. That's providence. God knew what Pharaoh would do. Moses, I'm going to take you here. Pharaoh's going to change his mind. God knew. But God was in control of it all. Sometimes we act like God was taken by surprise. And nothing surprises him. Amen? And we find out, number one, God sees before. That's providence. Pro video to see before. God leads them knowing what the enemy would do. So when you're led of God, that's why it's so important to be led of God. You have that confidence. God wasn't taken by surprise. And providence is the hand of God working in our situations, ruling and overruling, orchestrating. God sees before. God knew Pharaoh's plan. And God saw to it that Israel would be taken care of. And God has taken care of you. So just walk on in faith. Walk on with peace. Walk on knowing I'm in the will of God. God sees before. God goes before. God's working it together for his good. Nothing takes him by surprise. God is too wise to make a mistake. Too loving to be unkind. That's his providence. He comes before and then he goes between. That's protection. You see in verses 19 and 20, Egypt, they pursue. Israel, they panic, but God protects. And that same cloud that had gone before them went behind them and got between them and the Egyptians. And so while God in the wind of heaven is blowing open a Red Sea, the pillar of fire cloud is between them, giving darkness to Egypt, but light to Israel. God comes between. And because of God's special affection for you, because God loves you with an everlasting love, there's a special protection and distinction upon your life if you belong to him. The pillar that brought light to Israel brings darkness to the enemy. The enemy cannot touch you without first encountering God. And he even knows how to confuse your enemies. As Pharaoh's troops got all confused and so forth. So while he's working and while we're waiting, God is caring and God is protecting. And when we seem most vulnerable, we can say like David, but thou, O Lord, 
are to shield all around me. I'm not hemmed in by men. I'm hemmed in by God. I'm not surrounded by the enemy. I'm surrounded by the love and mercy of the Lord. You see? He sees the blood. He recognizes the seal of his spirit. He knows those that are his. God sees before. God comes between. Then God goes ahead. Hallelujah. What about the future? Well, the Lord will see to it. What about the future? God's a good God. He's got it all under control. Amen. God opens the way, does the impossible, brings them through, drowns the Egyptians. The next time you are in a tight place, a seemingly impossible place, remember what God did for Israel at the Red Sea. Let it encourage you. That same God is with you. And he's willing to work mightily in your life. And friend, listen, don't don't give up the blessing just because it comes with a battle. Instead, fear not, be still, and go forward in the victory of God. Can you say amen? amen? Amen. All right, let's close. Let's close. Lessons from the Red Sea. The discipline, the directive, and the deliverance. Again, maybe you're in such a place where you need to um, give something to the Lord. You know, it's very human to want to do everything. It's very human sometimes. I take care of myself. I don't need anyone. And sometimes that slaps over to God. And we find sometimes God says, you know what? I want to work in this situation if you'll give it to me. If you'll stop trying just to make it happen and will it to happen and, you know, just yield and give it. Be still. So maybe you just need to entrust something to God that's been keeping you awake at night. Maybe you just need to trust something to Jesus and get that rest that he wants to give you as he's working in your situation. Let's remember the battle's the Lord's battle, folks. Amen? Amen. He's a good God. And if you're there in the will of God, well, God's fighting for you. And you're his people, and that's all right, all right? I want to close by simply just singing. We'll pray, and then we'll open the altar. Let's just sing a song of trust and confidence in the Lord. Because regardless of who you are, how much you love the Lord, there is a Red Sea. There are situations that we all face from time to time where it seems like, Lord, I don't know about this. But even in those times, God just wants us to fear not and watch the Lord fight the battle for us. Commit it to God. Cast your burden upon the Lord. Amen? And so we want to do that. Anyway, stand with me, please, as we close in our prayer. And then the altars will be open. If you need prayer for anything after we're done praying, please come. If you just want to wait on God, the altars are open. If not, just sing this through with faith and confidence. Let your faith be expressed through your song. Father, I want to thank you this morning that you are the God of the impossible places, the hard, trying places of life. And we understand, Lord, that even though we are sons and daughters of God, we're not exempt from trials, tribulations. But we find great assurance this morning in the story of the Red Sea. Because like the Israelites, we're led of the Spirit. Like the Israelites, our steps are ordered by the Lord. We are faithful. We walk with you. We seek first your kingdom. So we have a confident assurance that when we face these times, we do not face them alone. But Lord... You will give us a word in season. It might be a word just to believe. It might be a word to act upon. 
It might be a word just to embrace and give you praise for it. Father, I pray that you'd help us when our faith is being tested to fear not. Fear not what we see, what we hear, what we feel, but fear not. But be still and trust you. Commit that situation to you knowing you will fight the battle for your people. And then, Lord, help us to go forward. Situations are always different. And there's different ways you would have us to respond. Give us ears to hear that we can be led of the Spirit. Give us ears to hear so we can accurately go forward and do what you're calling us to do. That through our active obedience, your power and your amazing grace will be released in our families and in our circumstances and our, our various situations. Father, we thank you that you still make a way even where there seems to be no way. And you are still the God that brings your people through. And now, Lord, as we praise you and just declare our confidence in song, let this exalt you and please you and bless you. And, Father, if there's anyone here today that needs just to cast that burden upon you, give them grace just to trust that situation to you and give them the rest and the peace that comes from that special dispensation of your grace. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Let's sing this unto the Lord. If you need prayer, come and let's believe God together.